Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spiders. We're going to kick this one off with an update on my homeoma species, Chalensis. I had a lot of people show concern over that. And again, I think everybody loves these adorable little dwarfs. But unfortunately, mine, as I documented in the last one, has had some issues as far as not eating for almost two years and then suddenly molting, even though she was incredibly emaciated. Well, I'm staying optimistic on this one. So far, so good. Just went in there and checked on her. And she, the just her overall posture is better than I've seen from her in months, if not maybe a year. Went in, she was like up on her toes, looked healthy. Now again, the abdomen, there's a huge bald spot in the abdomen. The skin looks very shriveled and dry, and I'm a little, I'm more than a little, I'm a lot concerned about that. But she's definitely picked up. So I'm wondering how much of the death curling I was seeing beforehand was a combination of her being weak from not eating and the obvious issues with pre-malt coming out. I don't know. I mean, this one still got me kind of confused as far as what I'm seeing with this species. And again, I, I like putting information out and, you know, I, I love reporting on things that I'm pretty certain of. I also love reporting on things that confuse the heck out of me because sometimes I can get information from other people. I've already had a couple other people email me and tell me, listen, almost the exact same thing happened on one of mine. One of theirs, actually, they thought it was on death's door. It molted. It didn't sound like it was quite as bad shape as mine was, but it hadn't eaten in quite a while and then molted. They were surprised by it and then had a voracious appetite, ate for a couple weeks and then stopped eating again, but it seems to be in good shape now. Uh, the other one unfortunately died and they too thought it was an older female. So again, I like to report this stuff because you guys teach me things. I can't, as I've stated before, I'm an island over here. As far as my collection, I have my own little microcosm of what I think goes on in the tarantula world and I can make observations, but it means jack unless I get out there and get other people's opinions. And I think that happens too much in the hobby where we see something happen in our own collection and immediately jump to a conclusion without getting more information. It's kind of like a high school when you're doing the science projects and they talk about having, you know, you have to have a control. You have to have more than one, you know, subject that you're experimenting on ideally to get, you know, different looks out of different sets of data that you can compare. And that this is kind of my way of doing it, getting out there. So, so far, so good. I will say these are two, the two, Females I have are ones I'd like to get in the naturalistic or bioactive enclosures. I'm dying to get them into something pretty. I've got some ideas for what to do with them. Um, some interesting behavior from my other female who's actually been eating well, and, and I'm trying to fatten her up before she stops eating again because the last time this happened, she basically molted. I was feeding her. I'm like, oh, thank God she's eating again. She ate like three or four times and then stopped, and then that was it. And didn't put on a lot of size. And a lot of times, again, you see the pictures of these guys. They have the nice little fat booties. Mine have never gotten that way. They they eat a little bit and then just stop and then molt again and get even smaller. So uh, she's one I'd like to get in a naturalistic enclosure because she's been doing a lot of burrowing lately, which these guys, you know, I've had them do some digging. I've had them kind of sit out. A lot of times they're the, the, one of the more restless species I keep in that they're always moving around the enclosure and exploring and Again, I've tried many different setups with them. I never rest on my laurels when it comes to keeping tarantulas where if I, I see something that's acting what I think is not what I'd normally anticipate or expect from it, then I try to switch something up. So I've tried, you know, originally they were in larger cages with a hide with a shallow substrate. I was worried they weren't being able to dig. So then I gave them larger cages with more substrate and moistened part of it down. And they just kind of roamed around the larger enclosures and never really settled in and never weren't finding food as well. So then I found something happy medium that gave them room to burrow. 
and also, you know, give them a little less space to roam in. And now the female, I came in the other day and I have like a mixture of cocoa fiber vermiculite for this one. It was one of the ones I was using the cocoa fiber for. And when I came in, she had dug all these tunnels around underneath everything, which I found very odd. I've never had one do this before. So again, these guys continue to surprise me. I still feel there's something we're missing and something I'm missing here, especially again, and you have to delineate the difference between a wild-caught specimen, which these likely are. They were picked up many, many years ago. Or one of them, actually, no, both were. The My older female, definitely a, a while ago, six years ago or so, at least. And then this other one that I got, I think, about two or three years ago. Probably wild-caught. So there is a difference there between wild-caught and captive-bred. A lot of people have found that the captive-bred slings of any species are calmer, generally settle in better, are generally more hardy. And again, I don't want to freak people out that have purchased some captive bred slings because I haven't heard of these issues so much, although maybe some people come forward. I have heard of the slings fasting, and that's something with this species, and it seems to be something that runs with many of the Chilean species, the fact that they will fast for certain parts of the year. But overall, the slings grow. They just grow slowly. It's the adults that I'm noticing this with. So again, I encourage anybody that's seen any of this behavior to please chime in. I would absolutely love to hear from you and figure out, you know, is there something to this? Is there something we can figure out here? Am I doing something wrong? Who knows? I, I will say I've had stretches where they're doing absolutely fantastically and then stretches where they're not doing so well and I, there doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to the season you know it's, it doesn't seem to be just exclusively to winter which would make sense if it got cold a lot of my i've said this before a lot of my specimens seem to even if the temperature in that room stays the same they recognize that it's winter outside and react accordingly and it doesn't seem to be the case with these guys it's it, sometimes during the summer one of them molted at the end of the spring and during the summer, basically, that was it for it. It didn't eat after that. So anyway, just an update. So far, so good. She's doing, seems to be doing pretty well. Fingers crossed. I will be offering her a meal later today. I'll probably wound something so it's a little easier for her to get. Drop it right in front of her and hopefully she shows some interest in it. I'm, I'm optimistic, but we'll see. All right, next up, I've had a couple of people ask me about this species lately, and mine just so happens to have just molted, and it's stunning. Easily one of my favorite spiders in my collection, my Saracopelma species, Santa Catalina. And anybody that follows my YouTube channel, as well as these, has probably seen me showcase them. It's because I absolutely love the spider and don't understand why more people aren't appreciative of it. I think some people just don't realize it's out there, but... But again, easily one of my top favorites. Uh, I picked mine up from, I believe, Tom Patterson. It was about three, it was a two and a half inch juvenile, maybe three inch juvenile. I don't want to under exaggerate, over exaggerate. Did not get him as a sling. I want to make that clear, but I am going to be picking up some slings because I love them. And at the time, just read that they were a species that obviously required moisture. You know, one of the big kind of tropical species like a Formictopus or a Lazyodora. And so kept it, gave it a smaller, about two quart container or so, or maybe like a quart and a half or so at the time. And it immediately did some burrowing, but it was out quite a bit. So it had a, it dug, dug a little burrow, it stayed underneath, and when it was in pre molt it stayed underneath. But I, I caught her out quite a bit. And the colors are what really caught me on this one because they have almost like a brachypelma look to them with like this orangey color. It's like a deep burnt orange which I absolutely love. I mean, they just look so darn striking. And I honestly thought this was going to be one of these species that as they matured, the colors would, you know, especially on a female, and I was hoping to get a female, 
a lot of times with these tropical species, the females kind of dull out a little bit or brown out, and that has not been the case as evidenced by this last molt. I went to go do a feeding, took the top off the container, and she had just molted, and my lord, she is stunning and big. I mean, this is a good-sized spider. I had somebody tell me that, oh, no, those things only get to be about five inches. Well, I'll tell you right now, the molt is about seven inches, just under seven inches or so, so she's got to be larger than that and very leggy, very beautiful, and has kept those orangey tones. And overall, now that I've had her for a while, some of the things I can report about this species, fairly fast growing. I mean, I get, she eats like a pig. That's something that should be brought up. I mean, for people that like spiders that are going to go at their food, these are guys definitely you want to look at. But she really, you know, eats with a lot of enthusiasm. Kind of, again, like a form, maybe not quite as nasty as some of my Formictopus, although I will say that I keep more species of Formictopus. Some of them are more dainty and shy eaters. But she really goes at the food. She eats a lot. Right now, I'm feeding her usually large dubia. If I give her crickets, it's like seven or eight, but it's kind of like she has to roll them into a burrito, which probably isn't particularly convenient for her. But, you know, I try to bounce around between the different food stuff. As a juvenile, she was easily taking down a large cricket, no problem. She was a little piggy. I remember one time she was one of the spiders. I dropped the large cricket in and another one jumped in from the box and she grabbed that one up too. And honestly, looking at her, at that time, she didn't look like she could take them down. She took them down and ate them and was nice and fat. And then the next time I went to feed her, I'm like, all right, she's obviously got to be full now. She ate like a pig last time. Well, she ate again. So great eaters. Again, expect this is one that I would definitely give some substrate depth to. And at one point, I had taken her and put her into one of the, I uh, think it's the Exoterra breeding boxes. They're kind of, sh- it was the bigger ones that have decent floor space, kind of akin to a five or six gallon aquarium or so, but they're, they're more shallow overall and I put her into one of those for a little while and I felt bad because she obviously wanted to do a little bit of digging and I put a starter burrow in at about two inches of sub it just wasn't enough so I moved her temporarily into one of the sterilite ones which gives me a bit more depth as far as what I can put in as substrate and again she did a little digging when she molted and kind of stayed out of sight which is good because you'll know when they're in pre-molt because they tend to disappear and be a little more shy and hide out in their burrows when they're hungry they're out and about this is a skittish species to a point I mean she's not as bad as my Pamphibedia species Duran's probably one of the more skittish tarantulas I have you open the lid she kind of freaks out and bolts around uh, will kick hair but more a lot more bolting than anything this one a little just excitable when you first open the enclosure she kind of bounced around but the other day I took some pictures of her some film of her to do a video film not film video uh to do a, a video of her on youtube and she just kind of sat there the whole time calmly and then i dropped a roach and she was right on it so as juveniles a little more shy but you'll definitely see them they're always out and about and again the coloration comes on very very early and they keep it and the, it almost becomes more stunning as adults now she is it's been i believe a week since she's molted and a lot of times when they first molt, you can't get a good judge of what the coloration is going to be. She's hardened up a bit, and it's a really striking deep red – I don't want to say brownish, but like a dark red-orange coloration to it. Now, obviously, I'll be putting some pictures up, but it's one of those ones I have a hard time catching on camera. Too much light, it kind of washes it out. Not enough light, it looks brown. It's just – you have to see it to really appreciate it. But awesome spider. For people that like the larger tropical species, like for those of you looking at Lazyodora species – or, you know, obviously my favorite for Myctopus, a Pamphibedia species. Definitely these are in the ballpark as far as maybe, yeah, I would say comparable growth rate, comparable appetites, beautiful coloration, gorgeous spider, out in the open a great deal, a bit of personality. I mean, there's not much more you could ask for as far as a big terrestrial 
spider. Uh, the moisture requirements, I found that I obviously just err on the side of caution and I kept mine always partially moist as a juvenile. As an adult, I let it dry out a little bit in between, but she's got a big, big water dish in there, so there's always moisture available. But what I'll do is I'll moisten down the substrate, let it all drip down through, like good, give it a simulate a good downpour, and then as it dries up a bit, and I notice that you know it's getting dry, I'll go back and add some more. It usually stays. There's usually a little bit of moisture in there, although this winter I believe it dried out once. She was perfectly fine, obviously molted, and she was fine about it. So not something you have to be obsessive about the moisture, but I think it would be prudent to give them a water dish in a moist corner. Mine doesn't seem to show any favoritism toward the moist or dry areas. In fact, when I first rehoused her, I gave her part of the substrate was moist, and there was a a part of it that was dry and she actually built her burrow and kind of settled in the dry part. So that said, they do come from a region where there's humidity and moisture. So just keep that in mind. But honestly, for folks, they're not very expensive. I think slings are like 65 bucks or so or 70, which don't get me wrong. That's fairly pricey, but compared to some of the other things out there, but for a big, beefy, gorgeous spider, you, you can, you can't do much better than that. And I know somebody said somebody's out there selling them out, which is why, I was asked, somebody said they noticed them for sale and thought I had one. So I would say, honestly, if you can find these guys, grab them up. I, I personally love them. I don't think people will be disappointed. The, those who like larger, you know, tropical, quote unquote, tropical terrestrial species, these will be right up your alley. They're unique. I mean, I do know when I post up videos on YouTube, I get a lot of people like, I've never even heard of this spider before, which I love because one of the things I like doing is t trying to find some spiders that people might be picking up and not have a lot of information on. I find these and kind of share my notes on them. And this was one of the ones I looked at and I'm like, all right, you had me a big terrestrial, but this is one not a lot of people have. So, and obviously there are other Cerakopelma species that you can scout out as well. And I will be dabbling in those. Who knows? I may have my next, you know, genus like Formictopus that I absolutely fell in love with. But again, great species. I would definitely encourage people to check them out. And if you got them, please share your pictures of them. And if you're thinking about getting one and you have any questions, please shoot me an email and let me know because I'll answer any questions you have because obviously I love the species and I, I really think they go overlooked quite a bit. So I'd love to do anything I could to get people to maybe give them a shot and then let me know what they think of them. Personally, I think there's a lot to like, and I think anybody who gives them a shot is going to be pleased. Maybe not. We'll see. But anyway, definitely scope them out. If you get a chance to buy one, grab one or two up, and uh, you know, I'll be looking to probably – but we'll see. The one big issue I'm having right now is time as far as breeding projects, but this is one that I have an eye to breeding eventually. And hopefully if I produce some slings, I can get word out and people will actually buy them, and we can get more of them in the hobby because I'm – with with all the species we have, as far as the big terrestrials are concerned, it's a shame if one like this were to go overlooked any longer. So moving on to the next one, I had somebody ask me about Pseudohapalopus species blue and whether or not I have any experience with them. Well, I do. Um, I have two slings that I picked up, I think about two years, well, maybe about a year and a half ago. It was uh, November probably 2017. So that's about a year and a half, right? My math is kind of wonky. I've not finished my coffee yet. So please don't judge me if that doesn't add up at all. I'm sure when I go back to listen to this, I'm going to cringe, but I believe it was November of 17 or so, or October of 17. And I got two tiny slings or probably eh, maybe, maybe a half inch or so, maybe slightly less than a half inch, around a half inch or so. And I ended up putting them in the little I think they're 2.2 ounce, the, the souffle cups, the tiny souffle cups. These guys were really small. And I wanted to keep track of them. So originally they were in a little dram bottle. They went into the souffle cups and immediately burrowed and didn't see them all that much. And 
They seemed to eat okay, but there were one of the it was one of the rare instances where I hadn't seen either of them eat at all. I just knew they were eating because the prey items were disappearing. A lot of times with the slings, you, you pay attention, you can see them eating. But these guys, you drop the the prey item in, you come in the next day, it would be gone. Go all right, assume it ate, and then one day you drop the prey item in, it would be there the next morning. You go, oops, guess we're in pre molt, and they'd seal it up. But overall, so far. Mine have been what well, were very, very shy slings. They stayed in their burrows most of the time. They didn't come out all that much. And I did not see them out and about very often. So it was tough to gauge how big they were getting, which was good because they weren't getting very big very quickly. And I'm fine with that. I want to make it very clear when I talk about species that grow more slowly than others. I am in no way, shape, or form saying that in a negative way. I just want people to be aware of what they're getting. I just had somebody email me about a G. rosea and they said, oh, I, I picked up a G. rosea because I I heard it's an awesome species. We got a sling. It's a half an inch. And now it's two months later and it's still half an inch. And I'm like, oh my Lord, you guys are in some trouble there. Cause she was seemed very upset that it hadn't grown very quickly. And I had to email her back and say, well, I've had mine going on, I think close to six years now. And she's, I think right around an inch and a quarter maybe. So Yikes. So that's why I try to tell people because some I, I've had people tell me flat out, yeah, it sounded good until you said they're slow growers. I just don't have the patience for that. And I, I totally understand that. I, I respect that. And I don't think that's something to be judged. It's just a matter of opinion. So these guys, in my experience, and this is only my experience, have grown rather slowly because right now they are about an inch, maybe an inch and a quarter or so. Still rather small, although I'm starting to see some of that iridescent blue on them. They, they still, one of them looks almost like has a Acimani type of undercarriage where there's almost an orange tinge to it, its abdomen, and the other one does not, which is odd. But they're still very, they look very much like house spiders almost, like very uh, lithe, thin legs and pointed legs, and just really cool look to them. And just starting when you get them under light, you just see a little bit of that bluish tinge. But it took obviously quite a while for them to get there. So they appear to be decent eaters, although I found that mine will bury themselves, and the pre molt period can be a little bit longer, which might make some people shy away from them. Uh, again, now that they're in, I've got them in those round cylindrical containers. They're about, I don't know, uh, three, maybe four and a half inches in diameter or so, and maybe about four and a half inches high. So a, a good size. I, I like using them for the larger slings. And right now they have abandoned, both of them have abandoned their burrows and they're out all the time. I see them constantly. I was in the room earlier to check on to make sure I wasn't, you know, spreading misinformation. Both of them were up on the sides of their enclosure waiting for food or whatever. So I will be feeding them later. But I have found now that they put on some size, they eat a little bit better. So I'm wondering if the growth rate will pick up. And Personally, I found that with some species of spiders, for some strange reason, they take forever to go from like a third of an inch to the inch mark. But once they hit the inch mark, you start seeing more growth, you know, more faster periods between pre-molts and, and between molts and more size put on between molts. And the one species I speak about when I talk about that is Grandma Stola pulchropies. I found it takes me forever to get them. And this has happened now four times from tiny slings up to about an inch, inch and a quarter. Once they hit an inch and a quarter, all of a sudden it's like, all right, this isn't so bad anymore. Or maybe I'm just so used to seeing a little tiny sling for years that it's usually that point they start looking a little bit like their adult counterparts and maybe I just don't notice as much but it seems to me once they hit that point they grow a little bit faster they put on a little more size with each mold and I've had people tell me yeah I got a, a one and a half inch one or a one and a quarter inch one and now it's almost three inches and it's been a year so 
it's usually that lower end when they're tinier that some of these species take forever to grow. So we'll see what happens from this point on because they're now at that magical inch and a quarter mark and we'll see if they put on some decent size. But they're still very, very skittish. And before, again, they were shy. They, they hid in their burrows as slings. Now that they're kind of, they still have burrows. They can go into burrows. They will sometimes retreat to burrows. But this is one I have to be a little more careful with when I feed. The other night I went to open the container, top of the container to drop in a roach and the thing went like right out of the container, which doesn't happen a lot with me it went right out and luckily turned around scooted right back in so no harm no foul but the potential was there for it to have escaped during a feeding which doesn't happen to me all that much so something to keep in mind if you're keeping these guys but they do have that cool appearance as adults with that like iridescent blue on them so i know a lot of people are picking them up there's there's a big uh, there's a huge group of people out there that just love the blue spiders so anytime you got something with the word blue in its name guess that people are going to seek it out and want to keep it especially when they find out that it's supposedly more beginner friendly now as for that as slings i did and this goes with all slings i don't like the one thing i always try not to do is overcomplicate the hobby and just understand that if i'm keeping a sling for the most part i'm keeping the substrate partially moist the only exception to that that i can think of off the top of my head was the c cayennial pubicins which those don't seem to show they don't seem to like the moisture at all even a sling so i do a little moist corner just in case because old habits die hard but they would avoid that corner usually like the play web up and then basically what i do when they web up i drip a little bit of water on their web which they could drink from and then it would evaporate quickly and not make for you know any extra humidity or moisture in there but these guys i did keep moist as they were babies and i still keep moist now and they do seem i will say that when i moistened the substrate that seemed to encourage them to dig so they seem to like that now it doesn't seem to matter at all they're up up and about out all the time again look right up my shelf before i started this and both of them are right on the side of the enclosure which is interesting i'm wondering now uh, i'm seeing them out and on the side of the enclosure more almost like in a semi-arboreal type thing and that my that's one thing i've noticed with some of the semi-arboreal species is they will get up off the ground a little bit where most of the terrestrials are content to stay on it. So something I'm noticing now that they are kind of going up and, and it's both of them. If it was one, I'd go, all right, it's a kooky spider. But both of them seem to be spending a lot of time above the surface now. So I may play with the setup the next time it's time to rehouse them, which could be very soon because they're kind of, eh, they've probably got another molt in those enclosures. But I, for the next setup, I may try something and give them not an arboreal setup, but maybe some cork bark leaned at a bit of an angle and see what they do with it. Cause I know with Teocrity, that was a species that many people talked about being terrestrial before. And when you set them up arboreal or semi arboreal, you can see that they do like to get off the ground. So moving ahead, I may experiment a little bit, but this is supposedly a fossorial species. So this definitely wasn't the behavior I was expecting from them, but we'll see how it goes. If I put them into something new and bigger, that might encourage more of the burrowing. Right now, again, they should have enough room to burrow in these. They did have burrows in these enclosures, but both of them, well, one of them's filled it in and just sits on the surface or on the side of the enclosure. The other one is basically still has it open and will sometimes shoot to it when it gets startled. But again, I think of species like Elviolosopes or Oviolosopes, I can't, I think it's back to Elviolosopes where everybody talks about it being an arboreal species, but if you see how the slings and the juveniles and even young adults live, they do a lot of like burrowing. They build little burrows underneath stuff and they're very, you know, almost semi-fossorial in nature and you don't see them out and about like you would other species like say an avicularia that does no burrowing as a baby that's usually right out in the open and will web up high. Same thing with Pisolotheria. So again, I'm not trying to tell people that these are 
arboreal or semi-arboreal tarantulas. I'm just sharing some of the observations I have. And I will tell you, there's been times where I've kept things and they don't act exactly like they're supposed to. And again, all specimens vary in behavior from, you know, specimen to specimen. You can have, you know, one, it's a obligate burrower and won't come out. And you can have another one that sits contently on the surface. You never know. So it's just something I'm kind of keeping in the back of my mind. So when I step the next enclosure, there'll be plenty of room to burrow, moist substrate. And I think that's something that I will continue doing. So I would keep the species moist water dish, but then maybe, you know, a piece of cork bark for a hide with a starter burrow, and then maybe a piece of cork bark next to it leaned at a slight angle with some fake foliage to see where it goes, because you never know. And it, quite frankly, I don't think it hurts to give the tarantula a choice in where it's going to go. If they go in there and they burrow, awesome. If they go in there and they decide to live up on the cork bark semi-arboreally, awesome. We'll give them that choice. I'm not going to take one away from them. I'm not going to give them an arboreal, a full arboreal setup. That would be silly, but, and I'm not going to give them only like an inch of substrate. I'm going to allow them to burrow, but we'll see how it goes and I'll continue to report. But again, anybody picking these up, the smaller slings, I'm thinking the dram vials are probably the way to go. I, I probably, if, if I could do it again, I wouldn't have kept them in the deli cups because those were a little, I don't know, the dram vials just seem to keep the moisture a little bit better. Less, obviously less, airflow in the vials but i do like the fact that uh, during the winter months especially they don't seem to dry out as quickly because it can be dangerous for the slings to dry out in the winter and once they put on some size you can look to put them in something around a quart or so i think those cylindrical containers i have are around a quart or so again there's no when i mention sizes it's ballpark just i think Cage size is something people kind of develop a feel for as they go and and not everybody's is going to be the same my opinion on when it's time to switch a spider out to a larger enclosure may differ from somebody else's i know just watching youtube videos i see spiders that are in cages that i'm like holy moly that cage is huge and then i see other ones where it's like my gosh can we please get that spider home it's like only you know maybe <laughs> twice the size of the spider it seems a little cramped in there but to each your own it's not a question it's not really right or wrong it's i think it does come down somewhat to personal opinion of the keeper so for me i would go once they hit around the inch spot uh, inch mark i would move them into something around a quart or so and then we'll play it by ear the next container will probably be like something around the size of a small critter keeper again i, I use the what is it sistema enclosures that uh they're about two quarts 101 ounces i think or 120 ounces or something good size i like them for the juveniles they're easily ventilated they're fairly clear a little bit milky but not as bad as most of the sterilite stuff stackable they look really nice on a shelf but uh, i may play around with something bigger like a small critter keeper to give a little bit of height to see what it does. Because again, it, it's not, it, I'll give them enough substrate to burrow. If it wants to burrow, it doesn't have to pay any attention to the fact that I'm setting it up a little semi arboreal but I'm just kind of, I want to see what happens. Will it come out and climb? And again, people who keep these, please chime in. You guys might all come forward and say, I don't know what you're talking about. Mine are all burrow or whatever. Uh, maybe somebody says, hey, mine just sit there terrestrially. I don't know. They are supposedly a fossorial species. When I looked up information, a lot of people talked about the fact that expect them to burrow, don't see them very much. But right now, mine are going through a stage where they're very visible. So maybe this will be a short stage. They're going to molt. I have had species do that before where they're fossorial, like islings. They molt. All of a sudden, they're out and about. Then they molt again, and they're back to being fossorial. They can be strange little creatures when it comes down to it. So we'll see how this one goes. But again, expect a slower-growing spider. I think that needs to be said for people that are looking pictures of those beautiful blue beauty uh, booties they have. And thinking, oh, I can't wait to get one of those. You're going to be waiting a little while because I'm on a year, over a year and a half, year and a half, and we still don't have, it's just starting to show a little bit of blue on the abdomen. That's about it. And they're still only about an inch and a quarter. So again, slow growing species. But again, a lot of the beautiful species, they're worth the wait. 
It's just don't think you're going to pick up a little sling and then within, you know, a year, oh, look at my big, beautiful, blue-budded tarantula. It's not going to happen. It's going to take a while. But uh, so far, I'm loving it. It's worth the wait. Just the last time I was checking on them after that new molt, the colors were really kind of neat. And it definitely is a unique-looking spider right now. We'll see how it goes moving ahead. And obviously, I will update folks on whether or not, you know, we'll, we'll look at the setups and see, did it show any more of those climbing tendencies? I just find it odd that both of them are doing the same thing both of them are climbing neither of them are burrowing nothing's changed as far as the substrate they have the ability to burrow they still have moisture they're just deciding to sit on the side of the enclosure so we'll just play with it and see what happens uh worst case scenario they ignore everything and we have a nice you know little surface concoction of plants and and leaning cork bark that looks aesthetically pleasing but no spider to perch upon it so we'll see how it goes and finally, we'll close this one out with an update on the bioactive front. Again, I apologize for folks who don't care about the bioactive stuff. I, I just picture people out there going, oh, gosh, more about this stuff. But I'm having so much darn fun with it. And I think the plants have been a huge thing for me. We have, <laughs> again, God bless Billy for putting up with me. I'm looking over at my dinner table right now, and there are about 30 plants on it or so. Some are starting to get rather large. We have... A, an aluminum plant that's probably about a foot tall now and, and some golden pothos is kind of spiraling down the side of the enclosure. I picked up some ivies that are growing all over the place, but I'm having a great time putting these things together and it's it's weird. And again, I don't want people to think I'm going to steer completely away from the utilitarian type enclosures like using sterilite and stuff because there's a place for it and I'm going to continue to use those. Not I won't be able to, unfortunately, with the amount of room I have put every single adult into one of these. That's just the, the, the sad fact that there just isn't enough room, but I am putting a lot. I think I'm up to 11 now set up with bioactive enclosures, which is a, a decent section of, of my collection as far as the adults are concerned. But what I'm finding is just, it's so darn pretty. I love plants. And to go in there and see the plants, the nice thing is now... <laughs> When I used to go in there, there's certain species. I would go in and I'd try to see my spider and it either burrows or hides and you don't see the spider. Well, now at least there's something pretty to look at. It's not just some plastic plants from Petco. There, there are nice plants in there. Like the other day I went in to see, I recently rehoused one of my uh, Terinopelma sazames into a big 12 by 12 by 12 exoterra planted with a photonia. And what is the other one? I think it's probably a pothos. I stick those in everything. But I went in the check on her the other day. She had done a little bit, created a little den, adapted to one of the dens I had there. She wasn't in there, but my God, did that Fetonia look fantastic with the purples on the leaves. So I was like, all right, well, win-win. So anyway, I'm doing a big one now. It's a 12 by 12 by 18 one. I think I discussed this last time. I sometimes lose track of what I've talked about, but... We got it also. We're setting the video up, uh, shooting the video in, in spurts. So we did the unpacking. I bought a bunch of stuff from Any Herp. I am doing a drainage layer on this one because I just want to give it a shot. And I know that's part of having bioactives, although uh, the Terrorania stuff from BioDude, the BioDude has said you don't need that. And I have no reason not to believe him, but I did want to try it. So I got the screen, some of the uh, the drainage materials. And last week, Bill and I sat down to actually set up that portion of it. I also bought one of the backgrounds, the Zoomed cork backgrounds, and then basically used some cork bark rounds, cut 45-degree angles at one end to make, to make, create some tubes coming out of it. Um, I'm trying to figure out what's going to be in the tubes now because I would like some plants kind of cascading out of the tube. So getting a little more complicated with this stuff. Again, c compared to some of the stuff I've seen with the foam, custom foam backgrounds, everything, I'm what I'm doing is just scratching the surface as far as bioactives. I'm not going to – please don't think I'm an expert at this. This is very – 
rudimentary newbie type stuff I'm doing, but exciting nonetheless. So we've got the background in with these tubes out, which I'm trying to figure out. Should I use one for the spider, one for a plant? Should I do plants in both? Because trying to negotiate the fact, one of the issues I'm having with the plants is sometimes I take a little plant and I put it in a corner and the plant fits perfectly in that corner. And I kind of forget that the plant's going to continue to grow. So I have a couple now that the plants are a little bit crowded because I might have not given them enough space. So again, I'm living, I'm, I'm learning as I go, but we set up the background. The background is glued in with black silicone with these two tubes coming out of it. It looks really cool. And then we put in the layer of drainage material, which I believe I got some from any herb that's lightweight because I, when I feed my tarantulas, I take the cages out of my dinner table. So I got to half these things out. So if they're getting around 40 pounds, you know, we're getting up there. So it's just lightweight. It basically like, it looks like sandblasted glass, a very light um, airy and then we put the screen bought the screen put the screen over it packed the substrate on top put in the bio shot put in the leaf litter the sphagnum moss mixed it all up dropped in some of the springtails and we just let it sit for a little bit well today it's time to start planting it so i know for a fact that aluminum plant oh god i can see it from here i love this aluminum plant i thought i was going to lose it because i really thought i had a black thumb and oh i've lost a couple things so far knock on wood so good most of them are doing well but that aluminum plant when i got it looked a little down the leaves were kind of drooping. It looked a little, you know, it, it didn't look good for a couple of weeks and now it's perked up. It's looking beautiful. I finally got the hang of how much sun it needs, how much water it needs. So now comes the delicate operation of transplanting that into this enclosure and I think it's going to look great. Still don't know what I'm going to stick in the back of those tubes. I've got more cork bark. <laughs> I used up all my cork bark tubes and I'm looking like, wait a minute, where the heck's the spider going to go? Because I thought I was going to put plants in both these. I was thinking of some ivy coming down off of one of them. Um, I did buy some rabbit's foot fern that I was thinking of putting in the back, but now I don't want this thing to be too cramped. I don't know. I'm figuring it out as I go, but I do have another box of, I ordered a, the, what was it? The five pound box of... I think it's five pounds of cork bark rounds from the bio dude. It's 19 bucks and I saw the review on it and the people that get it said there seems to be a lot more than what you normally get for that weight. So we'll see how it goes, but I'm probably going to put another tube in there for the actual spider. I don't know. It's just it, the the things you can do with this are endless. Uh, there's a couple species I'm eyeing where I want to do rocks in the background, so I'll probably start. I have done some sculpting in the past. I have an art background, so I'm thinking of using the foam to sculpt some rocks in the back and paint. There's just so much you can do with it. So again, I apologize for the folks who are like, Tom, we really don't care about your bioactives, and I know there's probably some of you out there, but I'm hoping for those of you that are at a point in the hobby like where I was, where you pretty much your collection's built. You're going to pick things up here and there, but that mass buy you go through those first few years in the hobby picking up all these different species has kind of slowed down you're getting some adults you're looking to make some prettier enclosures this is a beautiful wonderful very natural extension of the hobby as far as i'm concerned because you're still taking care of something it's adding a new dimension to the hobby for me where it's now i, I feel like i have my spider care down pretty well i'm going to continue to learn i'm going to continue to change things i'm going to continue to experiment i'm going to continue to report what i find but for me, it just adds another level of complexity and fun to it. So now it's not just, you know, we, it's figuring out which plants will work in which situation, which spiders will work well with those plants or enclosures, just makes it a bit more fun. So one of the ones I am going to be doing uh, going ahead is I picked up one of the 8x8x8 Exoterra Nano short, small, whatever the heck they are. And we're going to go ahead and put the tidiest Stigmiris communal I have into it who... Uh, just checked on them a little while ago. They're all looking good. I move one of the pieces of cork bark, and what do we see there? A dwarf white isopod. Now, anybody that follows my podcast knows I had a big issue with the dwarf whites, most likely devouring 
several of them, the ones that were on the ground. And basically what I did is I transplanted them to a new enclosure with new substrate, new cork bark, all with the exception of one piece of cork bark that had a bunch of them on it that I thought I had dusted off all of the isopods. Apparently not because now there's a bunch in there again. So long story short, I've got one of these enclosures I'm going to set up and I'm going to go ahead and put the stigmaris into that, create a very beautiful naturalistic enclosure for them. Hopefully they'll never have to deal with those stupid dwarf white isopods again. Um, I'd like to microwave the whole colony I have of them. I won't. It's a joke, but uh, I'm still keeping my dwarf whites. I have them whole bunch of them that I keep that I will continue to keep, but I won't be adding them to any terrestrial enclosures, that's for sure. Perhaps I've heard of some people say they use them with their boreal species because as long as they're off the ground, there's no problem. But again, that whole thing kind of freaked me out a bit. So anyway, lots of stuff coming on the bioactive front. Hopefully I'll have some things to report next week. And then I'm doing a bunch of rehousings this weekend. So hopefully I'll be able to report on some of those as well. And again, if anybody wants, you know, has a suggestion for something they'd like to hear me talk about, feel free. These ones lately, I've been just kind of taking notes throughout the week and coming in with some of the things I want to talk about, sharing some of the things I've observed, whatnot. But if somebody has a topic they really want me to address, let me know. I love doing those. And they, those tend to be some of the more fun ones because it gives me something to focus on the whole week prior as I'm kind of taking notes and, and giving thought to what I'm going to do. So anyway, that will about do it for this one. Again, summer's coming up, so I'm hoping to make these a little bit longer. Also, just full disclosure, <laughs> I'm sitting in my living room. I have already cut, let's see, a about a dozen times I've had to stop because of a dog in the background or I have bad allergies so every once in a while I have to clear my throat. So this podcast right now is rolling around 36 minutes or so and I've been at this for about an hour and 15 minutes. So again, it's tricky. It's something when I started doing these, I didn't give a lot of thought to the logistics of where I'm going to do them. So again, I apologize, guys. I'm going to continue to try to make them better. We'll figure out something going ahead as far as a, a spot I can go where hopefully I can do these uninterrupted because it, it does kind of mess with my flow and I'm was in, in the middle of something a minute ago, and Molly came down and started drinking water from the kitchen, which you could hear slurping from here. So good times in the Moran household. But again, I'm not a professional. I'm just a hobbyist trying to have some fun, and I apologize. I, I've had people tell me that the dogs clicking around doing things in the background of the videos and the podcasts are part of the charm, and believe me, you don't know how much I appreciate that because a lot of times I'm sitting here embarrassed because I'm not turning in quote-unquote professional work, but I'm not a professional. I'm just some dude who likes spiders and likes talking about them. So anyway, thanks so much for listening. For those of you that don't know, I do have a website, which I have done nothing to recently because I've been just too busy, but I've got a bunch of stuff partway finished and a couple things finished I need to get up. This summer is going to be when I really go at it and hopefully do a lot of updates to it. I also have my YouTube channel, Times Big Spiders, that's going strong. And uh, again, I, I just got to point out a lot of people have linked me lately to things talking about YouTube channels and who are good YouTubers. And I don't ever respond to them because a lot of times I don't even check the whole thing. I just read the comment. Oh, thank you. That's nice. I, I, I don't get into responding them because I don't, it just seems weird to me to go and go like, Hey, thanks guys. And it happens quite a bit. But I do appreciate when people mention that I'm the one they go to as far as information is concerned. That's all I'm, that's all I'm really worried about is as long as I, I, I hear other YouTubers get mentioned that are great guys and, and great women and, and great you know hobbyists as far as you know presenting the hobby in a great and entertaining way. And when my name is mentioned with them, it means a lot because it's usually with if I want good information, I go to Tom Moran. I'm totally okay with that. I just saw a little – there's a little spat in one of my YouTube – videos in the in the comment section where somebody came on and went, you know, I, it's, it's too bad you're not more entertaining because you'd have more people following you. I wish you could do more to spruce it up. And then somebody took exception to it. It was like, we don't come here for entertainment. We come here. 
it's totally okay. I, I don't, I, my theory is the, the bigger channels, like I, again, I, I couldn't keep up with the comments from some of these people. It's not a fox in the sour grapes thing either. It's like, I, even now I've been having a hard time keeping up with the comments. I can't imagine how these guys do it. And if I couldn't keep up with the comments, I'd feel terrible. I'd feel like I was being rude. And plus those guys tend to get a lot of people that aren't into the hobby. My focus I, I do love hearing, and I've had this happen quite a bit lately, which is making me feel really good with people that are like, hey, I didn't know nothing about the hobby, and I found your podcast, or I found your YouTube channel, and it really brought me in. That means a lot. Uh, to attract somebody that has no interest in spiders, to know that they looked at my stuff and went, this guy's in- interesting enough, seems to know what he's talking about, I might want to get interested, That mean, that's great. But as far as just people coming in that have no interest in spiders, I let the other guys and gals deal with that. I'm totally fine with that. I'm here for people that have legitimate questions that want to know how to keep them, and I try to keep everything current and updated so every time my name's linked to something and there's a comment and I don't always see them all I do not spend a lot of time on Facebook I was on Facebook once this week I had my reasons uh I joined a lot of groups. There's a lot of drama and I just don't have time for when, when I'm busy, I don't have time to sift through drama. I don't like negative comments coming up. And so I've been kind of staying away from it a little bit. And I apologize for people that are on Facebook to try to get a hold of me there because they're like, Oh, well, everybody's on Facebook. I get it. But it's just, believe me, I need to keep my head above all that stuff. So if, if you're anybody that's ever commented or whatever, please know I do. I do very much appreciate it. Uh, and it means a ton to me to know that people respect my opinion that much that they would offer me as somebody as a resource to people new to the hobby that really does mean a lot so anyway enough of that thanks so much for listening we'll catch you guys next time and uh, I that's usually my sign off so now I've just left myself with no sign off bye guys we'll catch you next week